Hey, we, we've been going through a series together that, uh, that we call Escape, and, and what we've been saying to one another is, if, if you find yourself in a place where you're going, look, this, this isn't where I hoped I would be at this point in my life, and I was kind of ha- hoping that I'd be more satisfied further along, a little bit happier at this point, and, and I'm surely hoping that the future is different than what I've already experienced, because I'm feeling like some of my decisions and some of the things that have gone on in my life are kind of fencing me in and trapping me a little bit and we've said here's the thing there is an escape there is a way out and instead of doing something crazy and and running away from your marriage or jumping over to another state or there's an answer and there is an escape for you if you're willing to listen if you're willing to let jesus ask you to reconsider some stuff in your life and as we've been going through this series that we kind of use this as the premises we've talked together and we've said look every one of us has things we believe just core beliefs that we have about life and a lot of times we don't even know where we got those core beliefs we don't know if our mama taught us those core beliefs or if some friends kind of shared it with us or maybe just kind of the hard knocks of life kind of pounded them into us but we've got some ideas about how life works and how things are set up and are supposed to be and we just believe that all of life operates around those beliefs and then we said based on those beliefs you and I make decisions. And we may even realize at the time, it's kind of ironic, we, we would simply say something like, I knew it was the right thing to do. I, I ran it through my grit. It was absolutely logical. I mean, it just added up that that was what I ought to do. Or we'd say, you know what? There was just something in my gut that said, this is it. And even though we may not be able to articulate it or may not even realize it at the time, the reality is if we would go back and consider and say, why did I come to that conclusion? Why did I think that was the right thing to do? We would find that really it was what we believed about life that drove us to that decision, that made us believe that was the right thing to do. And then finally, and we would all pretty much agree with this, is that based on our decisions, you and I end up with outcomes. That... What we decide to do, how we behave, bring about outcomes in our life. But here's what we discovered. That that if I don't like the outcomes, that if I get all weirded out, freaked out, panicked in my life, and I said, look, look, I just, I've got to change something. I've, I've got to run away, or I've got to ditch the old wife and turn her in on a new model, or whatever that is. And, and we just said, look, I'm just going to change my decisions because I need some different outcomes in my life. We said, in all likelihood... Changing your decisions will not bring about a difference in the outcomes because your decisions will still be based on the same set of core beliefs. But what we've already discovered together is that if you can change your core belief even slightly, it has a dramatic effect on your decisions and an even greater effect on the outcomes of your life. And so here's what we've challenged ourselves with. It's impossible for you and I who claim to be Christians and followers of Christ. If we base our core beliefs, if if we keep believing and thinking the way that people who don't know our Jesus believe and think. And if we keep deciding things based on the way that people who haven't come in contact with God and haven't figured out that His Word is true decide things in their lives, then you and I can't hope to have different outcomes than people who don't know our God have in their lives. Scripture would say this. Stop. Just stop. 
Stop being molded into the pattern of this world. Stop thinking the way that people who don't know God think. And stop behaving the way that people who don't know God behave. Just stop. Stop being molded into that old way of life. And instead be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. And and what scripture would challenge us to say, look, look, can we go back to the very core things that you believe and check them out and line them up and see, are they really true? How do they stack up against the teachings and the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ? And in those places where you and I have got to throw out the old way of thinking and bring in the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, look, if you try to figure this out, if if you wait till this all makes sense, chances are you won't get there. So Jesus said this, look, look, just follow me. Just be my disciple. Don't, Don't wait till it all adds up. Don't wait till you completely understand it. Would you be willing to simply just say, look, Jesus said it. I'm not sure I quite get it yet, but I'm going to trust that Jesus understood life better than I do. So I'm just going to do what he asked me to do. And Jesus said this, if you'll do that, if you'll follow me, if you'll just be my disciple, then, then you'll know the truth. Then you'll have an aha moment in life and go, oh my goodness, this is what I never understood. Then you'll know the truth. And Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. Now, that's an amazing promise. And that's a promise worth taking a risk for. That's a promise worth allowing our ideas to be challenged. That's a promise that's worth us even getting a little bit mad along the journey to try to figure out what Jesus said would absolutely change our lives. So we've been doing that for the last few weeks. We've been coming back and saying, I know, I know. This is what your mom always told you. This is what your friends, this is what you've always believed. But can we challenge that? Can we go back and hold that old way of thinking up against Scripture and find out what God says about that? We've been doing that and it's been a little bit scary and it's been a little bit bothersome. But the reality is some of us are finding freedom. Some of us are finding an escape in our lives. So we're just going to do that again tonight. We're just going to go back and challenge one of the things that we've always believed, always done. And I want us tonight just take a few minutes and, and talk about what I call the blame game. See, the truth is, every one of us in this room at some time or another has played the blame game. We did what we knew we shouldn't have done. We behaved in a way that we knew. We knew God would say, don't you dare. And we did anyways. And when we got confronted and when we got found out, we did the blame game. We said, well, no, no, you don't understand. And, and if you'd been raised the way that I've been raised, or if your friends had done you the way my friends had done me, and if you'd had to live with the boss that I had to live with, you would have done the same thing I did. The reality is every one of us at some moment in our lives has played the blame game. Now, here's what you need to know. The blame game's not new with you and me. We didn't invent the blame game. The reality is, men and women have been playing the blame game since the beginning. As a matter of fact, grab your Bibles tonight and go with me to the book of Genesis. The book of beginnings. Because right at the beginning, you're going to find people playing the blame game. It's Genesis chapter 3. All the way at the front of your Bible. 
let me give you just a little bit of background as we get ready to go into this passage. If you and I were going to be totally honest tonight, we don't wake up in the morning and say, today, today is a quest for truth. That's what I'm going to do with my day. At the end of the day, I'm going to find truth. We just don't do that. Matter of fact, I I know some of you would probably think, well, Lynn, you do that, right? Because I mean, like you're a professional Christian. I mean, they pay you to love Jesus, right? I mean, so surely, you know, you wake up in the morning and you turn to your wife, Lisa, and you go, Lisa, today, it's a quest for truth. You know, and and I just got to be honest and tell you, I don't spend most of my days saying today, today is a search for truth. And if we were going to be really, really transparent together, and if we were going to take the time to kind of look at our own lives and be honest for just a moment, if there was such a thing as a quest in our daily struggle, it wouldn't be about truth. The reality is it would be about happiness. The reality is most of us wake up in the morning and say, what do I need to do? What do I need to decide? How do I need to behave so that I can live today and manage to be happy? I know some of us are going to struggle with and go, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those truth people. Wait till your son does drugs. And you sit down with your son and you go, look, how are you doing this? Why would you do this? Matter of fact, I've gone on the Internet and I've got I've got stacks. I've got stacks of evidence that that just proves that, that this is harmful, that it will destroy you, that it will hurt you. And your son looks at you and goes. I get it. And goes off and does drugs anyways. And you go back and you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did you not believe the evidence? No, no, I believed it. Then why are you doing the drugs? Because they make me happy. Wait till you have a daughter. And she begins to date. And you say to that daughter, you're dating him? I mean, what do you think? Him? Of all the guys out there of the expanse of the gene pool, you're dating him? What are you thinking? I mean, he is trouble. I mean, he is destruction. He is just a mess. And it's not just him. Look at his dad. And look at his dad before us. I mean, they got a whole gene thing of destruction. It's generational. You're dating him? And your daughter looks at you and goes, why? You're probably right. And then you find out she's sneaking out at night to be with him. And you ask her, what's I mean, didn't you get it? Didn't you bully? No, I, yeah. Then why are you doing it? Because he makes me happy. See, isn't that what we do with our diets? I mean, stop and think about it a second. See, we're sitting there late at night and the TV set's gone. And we're sitting there, we're going, you, you know what? You know what would make me happy right now? I'm thinking three boxes of Twinkies. I mean, that, that would bring some joy to my life. And you know, you do that for a little while and all of a sudden you're... And you walk in front of a mirror and you're going, Dude, I don't think I'm very happy. I think I better start dieting a little bit. And so then you go on a diet and the pounds are kind of coming off and... 
you're reaching all your goals. And you're going, man, I am so happy to finally be in control of this. And you, you get to your target weight. You're sitting there one night, and you're thinking, you know what would make me happy? <laughs> Pop-tarts and chocolate milk, man. <laughs> we do this in, with our finances, right? I mean, you, we're walking through the store, ladies, and you look, and I mean, you go, that pair of shoes. That pair of shoes stands between me and happiness. Right? How many women say, Amen, brother? Preach it. For us guys, it usually has like big rubber tires on it. But, you know, if I could have that, I could be happy. And, and that's how we got so out of whack and how we got so deeply in debt. And suddenly we threw up our hands and we go, Man, I'm not happy with the bill collectors calling. This, is, this, this isn't working. And so we said, Okay, I've got to get a budget and I've got to manage this a little bit in my life. And so all of a sudden we start kind of being more conservative and being more in control of what our spending is. And suddenly we're seeing the bills get paid down. And suddenly we go, Hey, I, I'm out of debt. I think I'll buy. And you know what the reality is? In our quest for happiness, we bounce off all sorts of walls. We just, it, we're kind of like those little cars that we buy for our sons. You know what I'm talking about? You flip the little switch on the bottom and they go into a wall and into a wall and they back up into a wall. And you and I do that in our search for happiness. And if we were being honest, the truth is it's not about truth. It's about it makes me happy. Grab your Bibles. Genesis chapter 3. Some of you guys know this story. You've heard it before. You may not have just really thought about what it's saying, but take a look at this. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Here's the story. It's the fall of Adam and Eve. It's the very beginning. Here's what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, no, 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 we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, here's what happens. A lot of times we read the story, and a lot of times when you've heard people talk about this story, we all of a sudden decide that, that, that Eve is going to get confused having a theological debate with the serpent. That somehow Satan's going to prove or get her to believe that God lied to her. But you realize that it's not the theological debate that gets Eve off track. It's the search for happiness. Because look what happens next. Here's what Satan says, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. You get the moment. Here's, here's the deal. The turning point in the heart of Eve isn't theological. It's about pursuing and chasing happiness. And here's what happens in the morning. She goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean if I eat it, I get to be like God? That would be so... Why would God stop me from that? I mean, what, why has God got all these rules that somehow are now limiting me? 
I mean, I, I could be missing out. And Scripture says, and then she looks at the fruit and she goes, man, that is, that's good looking fruit. And her heart does what our heart does. I think maybe that's the best looking fruit. Why wouldn't God want me to have that? And her heart becomes terrified. You ready for this? That the restrictions of God might keep her from happiness. truth is you and I do the same thing, don't we? See, we, we look at what Scripture says and we, and we look at what we know we ought to do and we don't do it. And, and the reason we don't do it is that deep down, deep down in our heart, here's what we're thinking. If I do that, see, it may be the truth, it may be the right thing to do, I'm just not sure I'll be happy if I do that. So we've got habits in our lives. Raw hamburger. we got habits in our lives. And, and we would say this. We would say, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know that's not a habit that I ought to have. I'm just not ready to be super Christian yet. I, I'm just not ready to give that up yet. And, and maybe, maybe somewhere along the road, maybe I'll be ready sometime. And, and maybe in little increments, I'll let Jesus be Lord. But I, you know, so we keep it in our lives, even though we know it shouldn't be there. Some of us, I mean, some of us, people know, don't cross them. (laughs) You cross them, it is ugly. I mean, it is bad. And and, and you and I would say, well, yeah, I mean, but here's what you're doing. That's how I was raised. And see, in my family, my family was so dysfunctional. I mean, in my family, that's how you handled conflict. You screamed. And the person who screamed the loudest and screamed the longest and wore everybody else, that's who won. And I, I know, I know. But, but that's just how I was raised. Someone should say, I, I just got to have a certain amount of stuff. I just do. And I, and I get it. I get, I get that someone might say, hey, you're trusting your stuff more than you're trusting God. And I was raised without. And, and, and I mean, if you, if you just knew what it was like to go home every night and be in want, and I, I just can't, I just can't get my heart around ever being that way again. So it's, it's just how it is. Some of us have been hurt by a past relationship. We've got baggage and walls. And we say, look, 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 if you, if you just want to be in a relationship with me, you've got to be ready to deal with me. And you've got to be able to take it because this is the thing. People have hurt me. And I'm still wounded. 
and that this is this is this is just me. And in the end, we end up with lives full of stuff, full of things that we know we know that don't really honor God, probably shouldn't be there, but it's just kind of how it is, and we're not ready to deal with it and not ready to. So it's there. It just kind of sits around in our lives and. We sort of hope that no one will notice. Let me ask you a question. What happens? You leave some of this stuff laying around. Gets a little warm. Gets a little age. And it gets stinky, doesn't it? I mean, it just gets nasty. So here's what happens. All of a sudden, someone comes in our life and they see that. They, you ready? Smell that in our lives. And they go, oh, man. Man. And you're a follower of Christ, right? I mean, wow. Wow. And in that moment, guess what you and I do? We do what our great, 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 great grandparents did in the Garden of Eden. We pull out the blame game. Watch this. Grab your Bibles again. Here it is. The first time the blame game was played. Verse 7. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 7. Here's what it says. Then the eyes of both of them, talking about Adam and Eve. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Naked is redneck for naked. They were naked. They were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And then the man said to his wife, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, Hey, where are you? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. Oh, and they hid. And I'm going to call, where are you? All right, verse 10. And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he answered, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Here, you ready for this? <laughs> this is where it gets good. Okay, here we go. And the man said, that woman... That, that, like, she's, she's broken or she's deficient or, I mean, she's got to be weak. That woman, you gave me. That woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. I don't know, I just ate it. It wasn't my fault, it was a woman. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? Look at her answer. The serpent! That's that mean old crafty mean serpent thing. I mean, it's not my fault. It was a serpent. First round of the blame game. And you and I in our lives have stuff. And someone says, hey, wait, what is that? And someone calls us out on it. Or we sit in a Sunday service and our hearts get convicted. And guess what we do? We play the blame game.
Anybody know what that is? That's a wheelbarrow full of blame. Fresh from the farm blame. So here's what happens. A little gal gives up on her marriage and just stops trying. Someone says, hey, what are you doing? And she says, no, 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 you don't get it. I mean, if you, if you knew what I always hoped my husband would be like, and then you look at what I got. If you even thought for a minute about someone being a spiritual leader, so you'd understand why I gave up. See, the truth is, it's not my fault that I disengaged. And we shovel the blame. We run into someone who just emotionally vomits on everybody. I mean, and you go, wow. And they go, no, 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 you don't understand. You, You don't understand my parents. And you don't understand how they treated me and the things they said to me. And how dysfunctional my home was. And the truth is, the truth is, if you knew how I was, you think I turned out pretty good. And we shoveled the blame. It's the guy who gets on the internet. And you say, really? He goes, look, look, look. It's not my fault. If my wife were doing what my wife ought to do, and, and, if, and if you simply knew what my dad brought in the house and what I was exposed to when I was eight years old and how common that was, and, and if you saw the stuff I've already seen. It's not my fault. my dad it's my wife it's the young person who's using substances says look he was a friend I was at a party and they said why not and it was all sorts of peer pressure I didn't want to but I gave in And now I'm hooked. And every time there's a little bit of stress in my life. And I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it's an incredible statement to all the people who don't know God that God's not sufficient and can't take care of my needs. But here's the thing. It's not my fault. And you get what we're doing when we play the blame game, right? We're hoping. We're hoping if I can shovel enough stuff, people won't smell my stink. 
they won't see how messed up and out of control and out of whack my life is and they won't notice my disobedience and the fact that I'm not living the way if I can shovel enough blame maybe they won't notice why do we do this? why does this come so natural in our lives? You know, I think part of it's because we're just prideful. <laughs> See, I don't want to admit that i got any issues, and I don't want to admit that really it's me, and I've got a problem, and that's an area of sin or a disobedience. And if I, can, if I can just tell you enough reasons, if I can just convince you it was my parents, really? You're 40 years old and it's your parents? You realize if you use that excuse, then your kids get to use it on you. You'll be paying for counseling for your grandkids. And if I can just convince people that, you know, look, 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 I, I know it was a lie. I know it was a lie, but what we don't get is, is that I live in a culture of lies. And if you don't lie, you can't keep your head above water. Really? I think one reason we do it is because it's about percentages. See, I think, I think we say to ourselves, look, I know, I know, I know I own some of this, and I know some of it's my fault, but see, the thing is, I'm only 10% wrong. I'm only 10% to blame. And the reality is, they're 90% to blame. So when they come falling at my feet and confess their 90% guilt, then I'll concede my 10% of responsibility. What if they never come? You're going to live with that? That anger, that bitterness, that reason? You're going to live with that? Till they come? I think sometimes it's because we're just flat scared. <laughs> we're just flat scared to deal with us. So, here, so here's what we do. People get us angry and we lash back and we intentionally hurt. And when someone says, hey, whoa, 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 wait, how can you be so cruel? How can things like that come out of the mouth of someone who claims to follow Jesus? How can you say that to your husband? How can that come out of your mouth towards your wife and your children? How can that be? And here's what we say. We, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get how I've been treated. You don't get how people have hurt me. You don't get the emotional damage that's been done to my life. No, no, no. You don't get it. Is that it? Or is the truth? Is the truth that you're just flat angry? That if we dug to the bottom of this, we would just find a pile of anger. It's the guy who's looking at stuff he shouldn't be looking at and buying the magazines that he shouldn't buy. And, and we say, well, no, 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 no. It, 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 my wife let herself go. It's not my fault. And, and, and the truth is, I mean, doesn't this what guys do? I mean, who wrote the Bible anyways? Monks and preachers, they don't have a sex drive, right? So, I mean, they don't understand. Really? Or is the truth that you're just a good luster? Is the truth that you've already looked at enough and pursued enough and didn't turn away when you should have? And the truth is you've learned how to lust really well. 
and that this is an area of your life that you've never allowed God to bring freedom in. It's an area of your life that you've never surrendered to Christ. It's the guy who's a workaholic and says, look, look, I'm just trying to provide for my family. And I get, I get it. I get my wife sits at home lonely. And I get my kids are waiting for dad to spend time. I get that, but I'm just trying to provide for my family. Is there sin in that? Is that really it? Or is your self-esteem attached to a paycheck? And, and, and does your self-worth come by based on whether or not you made the promotion this year? And here's what you got to get. Here's what you got to get tonight. Jesus would say, look, if you play the blame game, you keep doing this. You keep offering excuses. You keep saying it's someone else's fault. You keep saying it's not me, it's them. I didn't do it. It was circumstances. You're going to end up with a stinky life. And Jesus would say, if you're ever going to get past this, if you're ever going to get beyond the blame game, then here's the answer. You've got to be willing to deal with the issues of your life right on the spot. You've got to be willing the moment it comes, instead of turning to the blame game and excusing it and telling everybody why it's okay and why it doesn't matter and you're the exception, you've got to be willing to deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it right on the spot. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Shouldn't be to the right in your Bible. See, here's something. We were in the book of Genesis, so everything's to the right. Okay? I had to go to Bible college and seminary to learn that. I gave you that tonight for free. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Here's Jesus talking about kind of a similar moment. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. Here's, here's what he says. He says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift in front of the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Guess what he's saying? He's saying, look, look, you're in the middle of church service. And you're sitting there all sitting there. You know what? Oh, wow, wow. I, I, got, I got some stuff. I've got a moment. I've got a thing in my life that I know doesn't please God and I know has hurt my brother. I, and he says, fix it. Go right now. And you get in Jesus' tone the sense of urgency. He says, look, just get up and leave the service. Now, don't do that tonight because we would know why you were leaving. Okay? But you get the heart of Christ here, right? You get what he's saying is, look, look, look. Don't leave it till it stinks. Get the stink out. Don't play the blame game. Early on in my marriage, Lisa and I were a brand new little couple and and I, I was so desperate, so hungry to do ministry. And, and finally there was this church in Texas and they called me up and they said, Lynn, we, we want to hire you for this amazing job. You, you get to be the youth pastor and the janitor. And I was like, hey, sign me up, man. And so I pack up Lisa and we head to Texas and we get there. And part of my payment, part of my remuneration was that they were going to let us live in this apartment that was over a garage at an old house that was sitting on the church property. And so we get there, and they had been using this old apartment that was on top of a garage sitting at the old house on the church property for like Sunday school classrooms and offices and stuff. So our master bedroom had two different types of carpet and tile in it because it had been a Sunday school room. And our closet was four boards and a pipe going across. Our kitchen 
had been the senior pastor's old office, so it had office carpet in it. It had wooden cabinets at the bottom and metal cabinets at the top because someone had donated them from a trailer to the church. And then there was a stove, and it came complete with a pair of pliers so you could turn the little stub on the stove because there was no knob. And then there was the refrigerator that someone had kindly painted for us because it must have looked really bad before they painted it. But they chose, you ready for this? Fluorescent orange. Our refrigerator glowed in the dark. So we're sitting there, and and Lisa's working in downtown Dallas, so she has to get up before me, drive to her job. So I'm laying there in bed one morning, pitch black outside, and I hear the world's most blood-curdling scream. I wake up to find my wife huddled in the corner, shaking, I'm convinced, with severe brain damage. (laughs) Here's what's happened in the moment. She's getting ready to go to work. She goes to the dresser drawers, pulls the drawer open, scares a rat who then, in absolute fear and panic, leaps from the drawer. (laughs) Lisa was convinced we had commando rat living in our apartment. And so my mission as the new husband was to find and destroy commando rat. So I spent weeks, I spent weeks searching for this rat in our house. And my wife is petrified by fear. She can't sleep. And, and finally, I'm telling someone at church, I'm going, look, we got this rat. And, and the guy goes, look, no, 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 I'm an exterminator. I can take care of that for you. So sure enough, he comes over and he, and he, and he lays out rat bait, which is really code for rat poison. The rat poison worked. You know how I know it worked? Because about three weeks later, there was this odour. So we're looking everywhere, trying to find the rat. And we finally come to the conclusion, it's in the kitchen somewhere. So we're pulling every dish out of our cupboards. We're cleaning out every drawer. We're pulling the stove away from the wall. We pulled the refrigerator. There's no rat. So we begin to think, this, this guy has crawled up in a wall and died. And we're doomed. Weeks go by and it just, it's getting worse. See, we were thinking that maybe it would just kind of like decompose and go away. It's getting worse. So I I finally, one day I said, look, Lisa, I've had enough. I'm going in, Lisa. And I go into the kitchen. And I am tearing everything apart again. You want to know where I found the rat? The rat had called up in our refrigerator had laid down on the engine and died. So now here's the deal. The engine's kind of warm, so it's slow roasting the rat. See, it's, it is, it's, it's not warm enough to cook it, just to melt it. And then the engine's got a little fan on it. Can I just tell you that the best, one of the best days in my married life was the day I carried Commando Rat to his grave. You realize what Jesus is saying to us tonight? Carry the stinky rat out. Stop blaming. Stop making excuses. Because there's some stink.
And the best thing you can do, deal with it. Deal with it. Don't play the blame game. And Jesus would say, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to be honest enough. To tell the truth enough. So that we could dig down underneath all the excuses. And all the blaming. And all the reasons. And we could just get down to the truth. That it's me. That at the end of the day, it's me. It's me that's angry. And it's me that's bitter. And it's me that's lustful. And it's me that's prideful. And the smell ain't going away till we deal with that. Let's pray. Here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, could we, could we just do a moment of real honesty with God? Could we just say to Jesus, look, 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 I'm done blaming and I'm done with the excuses. And here's what I'm here to say. Would you just pick the pile? Would you just pick the thing that I've spent my life covering up, that I've given all sorts of reasons for that I've said, look, 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 it's not my fault and that's just how I am. You pick the pile. The first one that you want to start digging through with me. And we'll do that one together. And here's what I already know before we start the digging. It's me. It's me that needs healing. And it's my sin at the bottom of that pile. And it's my disobedience and my disbelief and my anger and my lustfulness at the bottom of that pile of blame. It's me that needs healing, that needs honesty, and maybe most of all, forgiveness. It's me. Dear Lord Jesus, we got stuff. We got smelly piles in our life. And, and we've told people it's not what they think and it's not our fault. And if they only understood how that boyfriend had treated us or what our parents did to us, or how bad our employer treated us, that they would understand. But God, we're just here tonight to confess. All of those excuses were nothing more than blame. Because down underneath it all, it's me. It's me that struggles with anger. And it's me that struggles with unforgiveness. And it's me that has spent a lifetime hating and filled with pride and envy and lust. It's me. And so we're just coming tonight.
to say. Would you meet us there? Would you help us dig down to the source? And then God, would you forgive? And would you restore? Would you help us to carry some of the dead wrath out? See this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The staff asked me in light of all the methane that's floating around in this room uh, to remind you that this is a non-smoking service. What if? What if we walked out of this room tonight and said, I'll never play the blame game because it's not true. And instead, I'll deal with my life honestly and just admit it's me. It's me that needs the touch of Jesus, and it's me that needs forgiveness. It's me. You realize that truth could change everything. Let's pray. Dear Assembly Father, we've played the game long enough, and we've given excuse, and we've blamed others and we've listed our reasons but the bottom of the pile it's me it's me and so we simply come tonight with that truth willing to accept it and I'm willing to allow you to change us with it and to say God whatever you need to do in us whatever you need to heal whatever you need to restore we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you here tonight are going to want to talk a little bit about it. I know you're not going to want to shake my hand, but uh, you come up, we'll spend time, and God bless you for being here.